So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this, the 6th of March, it's the first Sunday of Lent. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme again today, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Well, good. How do you say? I'll do it again. Good morning, Shane. How are you? Not too bad, John. How are we keeping? Good, thanks. A special guest we've got joining us today, uh, especially in part two and part three, Father Frank Dewick from Newcastle West. Good morning. Welcome back again, Father Frank. Thank you very much. You're welcome, John. And of course, uh, we also do not forget uh, and want to welcome our listeners who are housebound, lonely and struggling. Uh, lots of people we know are like that these days, still afraid of moving out. Uh, but you're very welcome and thanks again indeed for your prayers and thanks again for your support each week. Our podcast does include interviews on five topics, uh, inspiration and music, and reflected, of course, on the Sunday Gospel, the most important part of any, um, any item here on our podcast. You can tune in to us at commonseeinspirations.buzzpread.com, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. That's going back to 2010, 2009, in fact. Also Spotify, iTunes, and, of course, on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. You can text us at 087-6088-667 or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now, Shane, we usually have Saints for the Week, so which way do you want to go with that this week? How are we for Saints for the Week during Lent? Well, Saints slightly guess um, downsized during Lent, I'm afraid. They, they, they take the back seat. Lent takes precedence. But on the programme over the last couple of years, we have still remembered those Saints whose, ta- whose um, feast day fall during the Lenten season. So as John said, today is the first Sunday of Lent, so um, the, 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 psalm, the Psalter is proper and for those of us doing the Divine Office, and we're on week one. So Monday the 7th of March is the feast day of St. Perpetua and St. Felicities, both of whom were young saints martyred in Cartage in 203 AD. Per, uh, Perpetua was a young upper-class married woman, and Felicity was a slave girl. And they were killed for their faith in Carthage. I think it's during the persecutions of Diocletian. Now, again, interesting. These are names which have come down to us uh, from the earliest times in the church. And they are some of the few women saints who are commemorated in the canon of the Eucharistic prayer one of the mass. So that's Perpetua and Felicity. Tuesday the 8th in in Limerick is the Feast of St. Senna, my own home parish. Uh, St. Sinan, of course, very much associated with Scattery and the estuary. Um, born near Kilrush in County Clare, his family was prosperous farmers, and uh, his early studies were mainly at the monastery of Kilnamana, um, and he, but his principal foundation is, of course, at Scattery in Kilrush, which you can visit to uh, the present day. Uh, very much associated with Kieran of Clonmacnoise and St. Brendan, and he died in 544 AD. On the general calendar, it's the feast day of St. John of God, who died in 1550, who very much associated, of course, with devotion of care to the poor and the sick. And he's the patron saint of nurses, the sick, cardiology, uh, patients, cardiac patients, printers and booksellers. So very much, I suppose, given the time we're coming out of with the pandemic, uh, patron saint of nurses at the particular time, you might remember them when you have a prayer on Tuesday. Wednesday next week is the feast day of St. Francis of Rome. She died in 1440, originally lived a happily married life, but founded a rule of of women with the rule of St. Benedict and became a member of it after her husband's death. 
On Thursday, we celebrate, I, this one I pulled out of, the, out of the list. It's a fairly random one, John. I went for St. Macarius of Jerusalem, the Bishop of Jerusalem in 314, very much involved with the fights against uh, at the various heresies at the time, was um, involved with signing the, council, the documents of the Council of Nicaea, which gave us the Nicene Creed. And his main claim to fame, if you wish, is he's associated with St. Helena, the mother of St. Constantine, and she was she who discovered the relics of the true cross, and he's responsible for the construction of the original Church of the Holy Sepulchre in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, not the one, not the present one, but the one, the predecessor church to that. Then on Friday, the 11th of uh, March, we celebrate the feast day of St. Angus on the Irish calendar. Angus is associated with County Leash and also with the monastery at Tala at the end of the 8th century. Uh, renowned for devotion uh, to saints and is one of the ones that one of the men associated with writing the, uh, the Irish martyrologies, which is the listing of saints. Um, he returned to County Leash to his native place and he became the abbot and bishop of the monastery there and he died around 824. Finally, Saturday, next Saturday, the 12th of March, is the feast day. Again, I went for a bit of a random one on the calendar. A blessed Beatrix of Engelport. It's a, she's a Dominican saint. She died, a German saint, 13th century. She died in 1275 and associated with the convent of Engelport in Hundesruck in Germany. And she may have served as its first pr uh, pr uh, prioress. Uh, legend says that if the convent forgot to celebrate her feast day, Beatrix would make knocking noises in her tomb, which I thought was an interesting one. So that's what we have, John, for the saints and the liturgical odds and ends for this week. Now, obviously, we are looking at the first week of Lent in the coming week. <clears throat> and just to say to people, in terms of resources and things that are happening. So uh, first of all, I suppose Lent very much associated with traditional devotions, in particular um, the Stations of the Cross and um, people taking up additional prayer activity or focus on prayer during the Lenten season. So for the Stations of the Cross, as John mentioned, uh, over the years on our blog and on the podcast archive, we have done a number of recordings of various versions of the Stations of the Cross. The traditional ones, but we've also done a Marian version. So I encourage people to have a look. As we mentioned, the Stations of the Cross, just to bring it to people's attention, that Knock has a new resource for the Stations of the Cross, which they are uh, promoting. Uh, it's available from the Knock Shrine website, from there, from, and it is um, the it's an audio prayer book companion piece, uh, you know, image to allow people to reflect and prayer on the Stations of the Cross. It's narrated by Father Richard Gibbons who is the rector at the shrine and accompanied by music under the director of music at the shrine, Una Nolan. So that's available in terms of resources. Just to say to people from an online perspective, the Diocese of Limerick with Father Chris O'Donnell and the pastoral ministry team is running um, pastoral support for Lent over the Lenten season, which will be available on the Limerick of Diocese uh, Facebook website. On a more local level, again, our staying at our no neighboring resources as well, the Diocese of Kerry, has quite a number of very good online resources available uh, to check out on their website. Now, moving a bit further afield, and we go to the east of the county, just to bring it to people's attention, Glenstall Abbey is once more running a series of talks Lent at the Abbey 2022, under the title, A New Season of Hope. 
These talks are at 4 p.m. each Sunday of Lent in the monastery library. Donations are 15 euros per Sunday. You're asked to contact the monastery beforehand to book in, and people will be asked to complete an online COVID form before arrival. So for those who want to contact the Abbey, it's 061 621 So that's 061 621 And the talks... Uh, the, the series of talks, the first one is Prayer in Testing Times, then the second week is Transfiguration, the third week is the Poetry of Lent, and that one's been held, led by Patrick Hederman. The Lost Sons, Salvation's Unusual Contours, Jesus and the Criminals, which has been given by Anne Lanigan, and the final one, which is on the 10th of April, which is Palm Sunday, A Subversive Triumph, which has been given by Henry O'Shea. Now, just to move to things online, so if you want to just get your pen and paper, just to make, take a few notes. Traveling on the uh, internet, obviously, is something we have discovered over the joys of the pandemic from a faith perspective. Now, while obviously it's helpful during the pandemic, you know, we are an incarnational church and we are a church praying community. So gathering to prayer is something that, you know, ideally we should do in person. But obviously, you know, not always possible. But um, looking at Lent and the resources that are available for people that are might be available online, there's a couple just to draw your attention to. One that I came across, which I thought was rather impressive, is a list of resources put together by the Catholic Diocese of Dallas in Texas. It's an interesting uh, list of resources which are available. It includes Lenten videos, daily reflections for Lent, five-minute Linton reflections, and it also includes what really caught my eye was Linton resources for adults and for children. So they have some very good links. It's a series of what they've done is on one page, they've brought together a whole list of links from around the internet, some of which we would have used ourselves on the program. In particular, uh, the usual suspects, I suppose, if you like, it's Pray As You Go, which is the daily online resource from the uh, English Jesuits. There is the Living Dent Daily, daily uh, which is the and Praying Lent from Creighton University. There's also uh, the Sunday Liturgy of St. Louis University, which we use as ourselves as a resource on the program from time to time. And there's a big linkage, of course, into the Word on Fire Institute with Bishop Robert Barron. Again, something which we have promoted and given as a resource for people. But there are many other links, and there's some good ones there in particular around the Stations of the Cross. There's Teach Children About the Tridium. Um, one that caught my eye, which I might look into myself, is a Linton online book discussion uh, from the Henry Newen Society, looking at his book, um, a Letter to Mark, um, Letters to Mark about Jesus, which is living a spiritual life in a material world. So that's the Catholic Diocese of Dallas. If you Google it, we'll, we, it'll come up, uh, but we'll also put links up in the notes to the podcast. Another very uh, solid resource page that's available online is from ignatianspirituality.com. Now, ignatianspirituality.com is a resource page of Loyola Press, which is the Jesuits in the U.S., Again, fairly good, solid resources. We've used them from time to time on the program ourselves over the year. There's uh, daily newsletters that you can sign up for, Living Lint Daily. There's a number of online retreats. There's the Ignatian Workout and the Ignatian Prayer Adventure. And then there's an interesting one, Arts and Faith during for Lent. So it takes you through a reflective using art as a means of taking you deeper into the Linton experience. And then again, also from ashes to glory is using the examine um, true Lent 
which is there. So those are resources that are available and they are on ignatianspirituality.com. Then bringing it closer back, closer to home, I suppose, we also have the, um, the Thinking Fate website, which is another Jesuit website. That's the Jesuits in the UK. So that's a series of articles. It's like a magazine, uh, Thinking Faith, which is good. Obviously, the Sacred Space, the original Sacred Space, the Jesuit one in Dublin, uh, does daily Lenten resources for people that are online. Also, just to keep an eye out, folks, if you're looking, looking for something in an Irish context, keep an eye on Loch Derg. Um, they are going to be doing, I'm not sure if it's weekly or daily reflections during the Lenten season. Uh, the Irish Bishops Conference also has resources which they're putting up on their website uh, for the Lenten season. And of course, linking in to um, the Pope's message for Lent, which we will cover on the program uh, either this week or next week. And then finally, of course, if you are a Facebook person and you're online, there's check out, keep an eye on the Facebook pages of the Irish Jesuits, the Limerick Diocese, the World on Fire Institute, and um, those are the main ones that we're kind of recommending for this season. Now, obviously, in terms of people that mightn't be online and are looking for resources and ideas, it's keep it simple, I think, is the word, is the advice that we would give. One thing we are very conscious of on the podcast is just being aware that there is a digital divide. Um, it, it's not necessarily something that's necessarily by an age. It could also just be by access to the internet and what is available or people being able to access things online. Not always possible. Um, not, it doesn't, it's not an age thing either. It could just be not being able to get into it. So just as we would say to people, Lent is a time of prayer, fasting and absence, which we're going to talk about in part two of the program. And sometimes it can just be something simple that you can do. Like, for example, if you can get uh, your, your mass leaflet and focus on doing an extra bit of Lexio during the week. Uh, as we said at the start, Stations of the Cross, very traditional devotion that's done for many people during Lent, particularly on Fridays. Uh, obviously, um, Wednesday during the week was, was Ash Wednesday, so it was a day of fast and abstinence. Um, it wasn't a day of holy day of obligation, though many people do go to Mass. The only other day of fast and abstinence we have on the church's calendar is Good Friday, but it is traditional in Lent to observe a degree of fasting during the Fridays of Lent. And particularly in, Ire in Ireland, we have the tradition, obviously, of going for fish or meatless um, meatless Fridays and so on and so forth. It doesn't have to be done just on Fridays, of course, but it is, it is a tradition that's there, something to encourage and to think about, particularly, um, you know, as we're looking at the situation internationally, and obviously, as Pope Francis had called for prayer and fasting on Ash Wednesday for peace in the Ukraine, something to think about um, as we go through our Lent in terms of that old expression, offering it up, we might offer up our sacrifices for Lent for peace in Europe. Um, so those, John, are the main ones I wanted to mention this week. If we come across a few more, we'll bring them up as we go through Lent and uh, the programmes. Shane, thanks a lot for that. I think if people got half as much of that now as what you've just mentioned, it wouldn't be known so bad. Thanks a lot. OK, in regard to a few more little things that I just want to mention here, I was speaking with um, uh, the people in Mount St. Alphonsus, the Redemptist Church here in Limerick. They are, again, going to have their Lenten mission. And that'll be held every Wednesday evening after the 7.15 Mass. The preachers were Father Lawrence Gallagher, Father Derek Meskell, and Father Jerry Maloney. If you can't get there in person to the church, Mount St. Alphonsus Church in Ermick, you can get it again online, and that's on novena.ie. 
So again, our good friend Noreen Lynch uh, from the FCJ Spirituality House in Spanish Point continues with her meditation mornings at uh, half an hour, 11am Tuesdays and Thursdays. To contact Noreen, you can email info at fcjspiritualityhouse.ie or 087-477-9115. That's 087-477-9115. Info at fcjspirituality.ie. Just one last one there, just again with Noreen. Um, Noreen is also uh, hosting some Lenten Talks. Uh, the next one uh, starts on the 15th of March. That's Tuesday, the 15th of March at 7.30 p.m. for the Michael Conway. And he's speaking about the role models, women in church and society. And on Tuesday, the 29th of March, 7.30 p.m., uh, Dermot Omoruku, uh, he's speaking at Adult Faith in 2022. All organised uh, via the FCJ Spirituality House in Spanish Point. Again, if you've got any queries on that, 87 now with this part of our podcast, we'll go for our prayer space and we'll continue on with our meditation series that we're taking from Father Flan Lynch, the Capuchin priest, uh, from his series on Vision Be Inspired. Uh, this week uh, on our prayer space, we'll listen to Father Flan give us a lovely little meditation on I Can. And that's followed by that piece of instrumental music we play each week followed by a song of Micah. So join us again in part two, where Father Frank will uh, lead us into a reflection on Lent and also the Sunday Gospel in part three. So join us again in part two. One of our most controlling and undermining beliefs is the belief that I can't. I can't damages our confidence and self-esteem. It limits what's possible and keeps us from using our gifts. It also prevents a fulfilling life. This meditation focuses on the unlimited power of the belief that I can. We prepare for our meditation. and let go. We close our eyes gently. We feel happy in our hearts. Jesus loves us more than we could ever imagine. I can give myself and all others a priceless gift as I awaken to the miracle of each new day. I can. I can welcome the gift of each new day with a happy heart, a cheerful heart, and a grateful heart. I can. 
I can begin the day with a prayer of trust and confidence and gratitude. I can be open and free, as one with Jesus in his love for the world. I can. I can be patient, mature and responsible. I can. I can let go and forgive and move on with my life. I can. I can forgive because Jesus is always with me, healing me and empowering me. I can. I can listen to others with a loving heart, a gentle heart, a compassionate heart. I can. I can speak kind words, encouraging words. Grateful words. I can. I can allow myself to be helped and supported by Jesus and by the generosity of others. I can. deeply grateful for the love and generosity of others and that the sacrifices they have made for me. I can. I can have great respect for my own dignity and that of each person. I can. I can have deep respect and gratitude for my parents, family, and all those I'm indebted to. I can. I can meet Jesus in the beauty and goodness of creation and be enriched. I can. I can meet Jesus and the beauty and goodness of each person and be enriched. I can. I can see the face of Jesus in the poor, in the homeless, and in the troubled, and be enriched. I can.
can see the face of Jesus in the sick and the handicapped, the suffering and the dying, and be enriched. I can. I can feel enriched by the presence of Jesus in each person. I can. I can live more simply, sharing what I have with those in need. I can. I can have a passion for justice, a hunger and thirst for justice. I can. I can have a healthy relationship with food and alcohol. I can. I can bring great passion to the enormous possibilities of what love can do. I can. I can be a powerful stand that every person experience the love of Jesus. I can. I can accept what cannot be changed in people and in the events of life. I can. I can allow what is painful or difficult to be an opportunity to trust in Jesus. I can delight in Jesus. His power working in us is doing infinitely more than we could ever ask or even imagine. I can delight in the promises of Jesus I am with you always. I go to prepare a place for you in heaven. I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. I can. I can. I can. I can be a model of fruitfulness, kind and considerate.
I can. Jesus, friend and saviour, I can be constantly grateful to you for your presence and action, drawing the whole human race into the kingdom of heaven. I can. Of course I can. Jesus is always with me. Always with me. I can. We now conclude our meditation.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, we want to uh, welcome back Father Frank Dewick, who's joining us from Newcastle West Parish. And Father Frank is going to help us in our reflection and thoughts on Lent for this year. So you're very welcome back again, and thanks, Father Frank, for joining us. You're welcome, John. So if we want to start off now, Father Frank, maybe the first thing, the obvious thing is, what is Lent? Yeah, well, John, Lent uh, is uh, a season of 40 days in which we basically, as, as Shane already mentioned, through the three traditional ways, prayer, fasting and almsgiving, try to get that bit closer to the way of Christ. It's a time of examination of how we are living our lives and in the process maybe identifying areas where we need to change. Uh, areas which we need to practice more discipline, more self-denial, as well as ways in which we need to improve our prayer life. You could say it's a time in one sense for turning down the volume on worldly voices uh, that demand our attention and turning up the volume on the Word of God. So just by way of introduction, it's interesting that the very opening words of Scripture for the season of Lent, from the first reading from the prophet Joel on Ash Wednesday. Uh, And these are the opening lines, the first words of Scripture spoken every year uh, for Lent. A reading from the prophet Joel, and it says, Now, now, it is the Lord who speaks. Come back to me with all your heart. I think that's that those opening words of Scripture, it's the first invitation of the Word of God into how we spent Lent. It's worth reflecting on, come back to me with all your heart. And coming back to me, there's a suggestion there of having moved away a little bit. And of course, we all, uh, all the time, that's the battle of our lives. We do tend to move away a bit from the the way of God. And uh, so... Jesus is saying, uh, the word of God is saying, come back. And an important aspect then of the season of Lent is to scan our lives for areas where we need to come back uh, to turn around. And then that first reading goes on uh, a little bit further down with the very reassuring words, turn to the Lord your God again and then, for he is all tenderness and compassion. So, that means turning away and coming back, is that what sin is? Yes, uh, sin certainly comes under that uh, heading of uh, turning away from God. Uh, Now, I suppose you could say sin, the concept, is not popular today. Um, Yes, what, according to the Gospels and the Church teaching, is sin, is quite common um, but less and less people acknowledge sin in their lives. I think that's a, a feature of today. And don't forget that on Ash Wednesday, if you were at Mass last Sunday or you received the ashes, the most popular prayer that is said by the person putting the ashes on your forehead is turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel. So I don't think that we must apologize for focusing on sin during Lent. It's a season of penance, of repentance from sin. So. I suppose the next thought that might come into somebody's mind is, well, how did Jesus react to sinners? 
I suppose, as they say on the media, sometimes I'm glad you asked that question because I think it is a very important question. There is a saying that we have, John, that says, Jesus loves the sinner, but he hates the sin, yeah. right? And I think that catches fairly well the attitude of Jesus about sinners. And shortly, I think it's in the first week of, of Lent, um, we will have a gospel that illustrates, I think, how Jesus deals with uh, sinners. It is where he calls Matthew, a tax collector, who were regarded as renowned sinners because they fiddled people yeah. in the way they collected the tax. Uh, he calls him, one of them, to follow him as his disciple. And he actually goes to his house. And at the house, the self-righteous people are ganging up on Jesus, as they did all through his mission. And they ask, why do you eat with, and drink with tax collectors and, and sinners? Mm -hmm. And Jesus replied, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the virtuous, but sinners to repentance. And as a priest, I suppose, you know, uh, trying to guide people along the way of the gospel, the people that I'm concerned for are not those who have identified some sin in their lives, provided they are repentant. They don't worry me, so to speak, but people who don't see any sin in their lives. We need to remember that everyone in heaven was a sinner but a repentant sinner. Uh, and Lent is very much about looking at the degree of repentance uh, in our lives. So almsgiving is one of the practices associated with Lent? Um, any thoughts on that? Yes, yeah, John, almsgiving, we mentioned it already, Shane mentioned it as well, they, they, uh, it's one of the three traditional ways in which we can draw closer to the way of Christ uh, during Lent. And almsgiving is really about thinking of others, putting others and their needs um, before uh, ourselves. Um, almsgiving, uh, trokera, obviously, is all about that. And the gospel on Monday next, I think it is, I think it's Monday of the first week, mm -hmm. We have Jesus' own account of the final judgment. Matthew chapter 25. I think a piece of scripture that if you never read the Bible, we all need to read Matthew chapter 25 at some stage along the way, uh, where Jesus gives his own account of when he will come for the final judgment. It's that gospel we're all familiar with where he says, Come you whom my Father has blessed. For I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me and so forth. And uh, that, that gospel, I think, merits a lot of attention. And the people said to him then when he said, you know, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. But they said, we don't ever remember seeing you. When did we, when did we see you hungry and give you anything to eat? And then he said, we know what he said, insofar as you did it to one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters, you do it for me. So that's the one aspect where he calls those who are blessed 
by the way they have lived their life. And then he turns and he says to the other people, go away from me with your curse upon you to the eternal fire. And then, for, why, why does he say that? I was hungry and you never gave me any food. I was thirsty and you never gave me drink. I was naked and you never clothed me, sick and in prison, and you never visited me. Um, so the, that I think when we think of getting to heaven, we think a lot about maybe, especially those that are a bit older, mm. of more what we might call more traditional ways of sin, you know? Yeah. But I think we really, really need to meet, read Matthew 25. And the things that Jesus focuses in on are our failure to respond to the needs of those who are hurting on the one hand, and then the people he's happy with are the people who do respond and respond very well uh, to the people who are hurting and uh, are in need. And uh, I think that that merits a lot of reflection uh, uh, today and as um Maybe we, we narrowed down the, the criteria for what gets us to heaven, you know, and maybe we focused a bit too much on what we might call more traditional sins. I'm not saying those things aren't sins, mm-hmm. but we narrowed down the gospel too much. It's how we live our daily lives is a huge part of, uh, will form a huge part of our judgment by Christ at the end. How we relate with people how we interact with people and so forth and, so, and how we neglect that. I understand you'll be talking to someone in Trokra mm. next week and that obviously gave an opportunity to, to uh, focus on that. So I think those few pieces of scripture, um, how Jesus relates to sinners in the story of Matthew and in that account of the Last Judgment, and I would I will repeat again the opening words of scripture for the whole season of Lent. Ash Wednesday morning, first reading. Now, now, it is the Lord who speaks. Uh, Come back to me with all your heart. Um, Listening, it is the Lord who speaks. Listening to the word of God. And what I have done there is I've picked out three pieces of the word of God and uh, there is nothing more central in living the Christian life than listening to the word of God and doing our best to put it in, to respond to it and put it into practice uh, uh, in our lives. So just before I just before I let Shane back in with maybe a few thoughts you might want to offer and share with us, is there anything then that makes you feel a little bit up, upbeat about Lent? There is, John, and, and now I know I've talked about sin. I don't go around talking about sin all the time, no. but like this is a season of penance, repentance, so... We don't apologize for looking at the areas of sin in our lives yeah. uh, during Lent. Mm-hmm. But is there anything, you know, we're in the middle of this uh, war. Well, uh, we don't know whether it's the middle or the beginning or whatever mm-hmm. of this war in, in the Ukraine. And everybody is focusing on the terrible uh, invasion of, uh, of Ukraine by the, the Russians. And of course, there is no question Christ is not happy with that. So you ask me, is there anything that I'm, makes me upbeat mm. at this point in Lent as we begin Lent? I would say there is, you know, um, as well as being appalled at the invasion, yeah. I've been very, very struck by the explosion of love 
and care for the people of the Ukraine that has been very evident uh, since this war uh, started. And I, I would call it an explosion of love that is there. We're all created by God with the capacity for love. That's, that's why he created us. And uh, when Christ came, he wanted to bring that to the fore. He said, he summed up all his teaching, love God and love your neighbor. But it's, an, it's been amazing. And I think it's maybe it's social media at its best. What happens now in the Ukraine, we can know immediately. Okay, yeah. sometimes we're fooled. We don't always know the mm -hmm. truth. But like, but you'd have to be impressed by the explosion of love. And that's there, I think, lying beneath the surface in a very me generation, a very, uh, an age of individualism. And as if this capacity for loving is bursting out of us when a cause appears that, that, that touches our hearts, you know, and it was as if it were trapped inside in us. So that's yeah. something that I find um, very uplifting at the moment in the middle of the war and COVID you know, and I, I, I think so often myself there, sorry, Shane, but, but I think so often myself there, I think that some people are only really waiting for an opportunity to express that. Yeah. And people have now had that chance to express, and it's a natural expression that these people are saying, listen, I must try and do it, even if it means that they're going to hurt themselves. Yep. It's not just a false thing. It, it's oh, no. that then people know these days that the, 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 the effects of this war will not only be affected, obviously be affected in a big way, the people of Ukraine, but also they're willing to affect themselves uh, to, such a, to, you know, to, to such an extent that they're reaching out. And isn't that the word of God? Isn't that what God's trying to do all it's the time? It's God's word in action. And it's absolutely genuine. I agree totally with you. It's a really genuine response. So I have found that to answer your question, very uplifting over the last week. Shane, any thoughts yourself? Yeah, <clears throat> I was just listening to, to what Father Frank was there, and it's, you know, Lint, Lint, can, be, Lint can be seen as, um, for some people it can be an irrelevance, and for some people it can be seen as a very important period of time. And there was a couple of quotes I, I came across during the week that really struck me about it, and I thought it was rather fortuitous in, in timing. Um, just, to, just to go off on a slight tangent a second, um, <clears throat> at the moment, the, the, the Orthodox Church, they're also entering into the beginning of their preparations for uh, Lent the great, the, this, and, and, and towards Easter as well. And the liturgies that they have at the moment are liturgies focused on uh, acknowledgement of our own sin and praying for the love of our and giving forgiveness to our brothers. Now, obviously, if you are a Ukrainian community sheltering in a bunker somewhere in, you know, where the Russians are blowing the hell out of the city, that's a very difficult thing to do. But it's just one of those circumstances where the liturgy speaks and calls and challenges us in the midst of our own daily lives. And Lent is that opportunity as well. Um, you know, it's that season, that time apart where we are asked to, to pause, uh, as Father Frank said, and to take a small bit of account with ourselves where we stand. I came across a great quote during the week from Donald Neary, and he, he says, the test of Lent in the end is not what we have done for Lent, but what Lent has done for others through us. It's a sacred space to get in touch with Jesus in death and resurrection, the man for others. 
We can lose a lot along the way of life, health, wealth, even reputation. But the biggest loss would be to lose ourselves, for if that happens, we lose God. <clears throat> it's just, it was just something that struck me about Lent being a time and, uh, and a time for, for change. And another quote that really I thought was very timely at the moment, and I think which is a time, it's reflective for us as we prepare for Lent, but also links into things that are happening in the wider world. It's a, 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 um, there was an interview done with Bishop Pavlo Honcharuk. He is the Latin Rite Bishop of Kharkiv City, one of the, that city we hear so much about on the news uh, that's close to the Russian border in the Ukraine. And he, what he, he was, they were asking how things were going and himself, he was actually in a shelter with families and children and his orthodox counterpart uh, in the city. And they asked him how things were and his reply, his reply was, while evil has shown itself to be so strong, this has also exposed a lot of good. In a way, the evil we are experiencing also squeezes the good juice from the grape. And that good juice is our compassion, mutual support, and love. It shows our true faces. And, you know, in some respects, you know, not diminishing what's happening in the Ukraine, but for us, if we take that opportunity, Lent is that opportunity to squeeze the grape, us being the grape, and give us that opportunity to bring out uh, that good juice, as he calls it, in our compassion, our mutual support, and love. And as Father Frank said, you know, you're not going to do that in isolation. It requires focus, uh, a degree of motivation, uh, which, you know, we, we, you know we, we talk about that from the point of view of health kicks and getting fit and all that kind of thing. But we also need to take, uh, as well as taking our day-to-day -day life in hand and improving our health and our mental well-being, Lent is also a reminder to us that we need to take our spiritual life in hand. And that's, you know, sometimes that we might, we might need to take the, our spiritual life to the gym and get it back into shape. You know, um, you know, that, that, and that's something, sometimes something that, that, we, that can slide. Uh, and, you know, that's what Lent gives us the opportunity to do through three, in one sense, very simple, but also very difficult things, which is prayer, fasting, and, abs and almsgiving. You know, that's, that's the, the three exercises that we're, we're asked to take up. And so for each of us, as we start this Lenten journey, you know, it's something, you know, we need to think about. And, you know, one thing, I suppose, um, and it's something we have said on the program, John, on the podcast a couple of times over the year, and it's a reminder to people that traditionally in Ireland, it's always been seen as giving something up for Lent. But when it comes to it, when it comes to Lent, it could also be taking something on. So it could be taking on an extra five minutes of prayer in the morning. In terms of almsgiving, that could be something as time is money for many people. So giving that time in other ways, giving time in other ways could be the almsgiving that, that's given. And, and, and then the fasting then, for many of us, and I put myself included in this list, there is that challenge of social media and the connectivity to our devices. And I would say for many people, that's something that maybe, that's the spiritual exercise, that's the spiritual section we need to look at and challenge ourselves on during Lent in terms of maybe fasting a bit from the phone, the tablet, the, uh, the, 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 the computer, whatever the case might be. But it's an opportunity. You know, it's an opportunity. As I said, Lent, 
I remember a couple of years ago, we did an interview with Father Michal Liston. And I remember the expression that Michal used is always one that has stood, struck, st stayed with me since. He described it about entering into the joyous season of Lent because it is a season of encounter and invitation to turn back to God. And, and anything like that, where we are encouraged to turn back to God, has to be something that's joyful, joy-filled, and something, as I said, where you know, we're encouraged to get back into the, the spiritual gym for our spiritual life. Shane, thanks a lot for, for that. So now it's time for us to go for our second piece of music. Um, piece of music that I've chosen today to play uh, after those re reflections by both Shane and Father Frank is a beautiful piece of music by Melinda Dimitriscu, and this one is entitled Jesus, He Died for Me. So come back and join us again in part three where we read and reflect on the Word of God.
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shannon Bros and of course Father Frank Dewey, Newcastle West. So we <coughs> thank Father Frank and Shannon for offering those reflections to us uh, at the start of Lent. We might continue on with a few more of those maybe as we read and reflect on the Word of God. But before that, we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. <coughs> Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Then let our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, uh, the first Sunday in Lent, is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. And we'll invite Father Frank to pray this Gospel for us this morning. Thanks, Father Frank. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit through the wilderness, being tempted there by the devil for 40 days. During that time he ate nothing, and at the end he was hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to turn into a loaf. Jesus replied, Scripture says, Man does not live on bread alone. Then leading him to a height, the devil showed him in a moment of time all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all this power and the glory of these kingdoms, for it has been committed to me and I give it to anyone I choose. Worship me then, and it shall all be yours. But Jesus answered him, Scripture says, You must worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then he led him to Jerusalem and made him stand on the parapet of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said to him, Throw yourself down from here. For Scripture says, He will put his angels in charge of you to guard you. And again, they will hold you up on their hands in case you hurt your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, It has been said, You must not put the Lord your God to the test. Having exhausted all these ways of tempting him, the devil left him to return at the appointed time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord <coughs> Jesus Christ. Thanks for that, Father Frank. Thanks for reading the Gospel for us. That's for the, for the first Sunday in Lent. Now, Father Frank, you might offer us a few thoughts, please, to help us reflect on today's Gospel. Yeah, well, and I, I like, first of all, maybe, John, to put in a bit of the background so that we get inside yeah. the situation Jesus uh, was in. And um, the, the inhabited part of Judea stood on the central plain, which was a kind of the backbone down to the center of southern Palestine. But between that fertile plain and the Dead Sea, there stretched a terrible wilderness. Uh, it was known as the Devastation. It was a terrible wilderness. 
and it's a, it's a sizable area, 35 by, miles by 15, um, described as a desolate land inhabited by demons and ferocious beasts. Um, I think it's important that we get the picture uh, of the scene as we contemplate the temptations of Jesus. And those of us who have been to the Holy Land will have seen uh, how desolate mm. that area is Definitely. as we travel down towards Jericho, where the Dead Sea Scrolls, and then as we leave Jericho to travel up to uh, Jerusalem. Now, we're told there at the beginning of the Gospel that Jesus left the Jordan. Now, the significance of leaving the Jordan there, that comment is, what happened at the Jordan, the baptism of Jesus? And at the baptism of Jesus, one of the things that was highlighted was the divinity of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. When the voice came from the voice of the Father from heaven, this is my beloved Son, with him I am well pleased. Now on the other hand, the event of the temptation, which is in this week's Gospel, this Sunday, is that Jesus is fully human too, and comes under extreme pressure from uh, human uh, from temptation. Now we're also told there at the beginning of the gospel that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit. As I've said, Jesus is fully human as well as divine, but he is never abandoned by the Father. He is guided by the Holy Spirit as he goes into this forty-day uh, period, and that. Uh, the, the, the wilderness where he spent the 40 days would have been seen uh, by the domain of the spirit. Um, that, you know, a place where uh, a desolate land, as I said, already full of demons and ferocious uh, beasts. So that, that was the domain of the spirit. And also in, the, in his temptation for these 40 days, Jesus is seen as reliving the 40 years experience of of Israel in the in the exile. Now, just to, to finish talking about the Holy Spirit, there he's mentioned twice in the first few lines of the Gospel. Luke, this is Luke's Gospel, and some of the scholars have called Luke the evangelist of the Holy Spirit because of his ongoing emphasis on the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in the mission of Jesus. So that, by way of comment, there towards the. The first uh, few lines. And then the other spirit, the evil spirit, comes into it and um, he starts his temptation. But Jesus is all the time, despite the presence of the evil spirit, of Satan, he is accompanied by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, the, the first temptation there then was about turning this uh, stone, stone into bread. And one of the things that's important to notice is that Jesus, in response to each of the temptations, um, responds by quoting the scripture, yeah. uh, the word of God. Uh, man does not live on bread alone. That's taken from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And if you go to the next temptation, again, Jesus responds, this time with a quote from the book of Exodus. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him alone, where he was being tempted to worship Satan. Um, and he responds again using scripture. And then we're told in the, in the next 
uh, the third temptation, the devil led him to Jerusalem, obviously in a vision, not yeah. literally, mm-hmm. <clears throat> to the parapet of the temple. And then we get what I would say is important to note there is an insight into how cunning the devil is. And where you see he's, he, he's being cunning in this one is that he or he, he has noted that Jesus responds to his temptations by quoting the word of God. And what does he do? He quotes the word of back, word of God back to Jesus. Uh, for he says, he, for scripture says, he said, he will put his angels in charge of you and they will hold you up. When you come, when you jump from the power of the, of the temple, uh, you, you won't hit the ground. You'll be held up by the angels. So don't be afraid, you know. So, um, uh, you, and Jesus responds there again using scripture. You must not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, from the book of Deuteronomy. And then we have those words, the devil left him to return at the appointed time. And the appointed time is when the devil returns again in the passion narrative at the end of Jesus' life as he faces his crucifixion. So um, a point, too, that the Protestant scholar William Berkeley makes about this story, this gospel story, he, he says, it is the mo-, and I quote, it is the most sacred of stories, for it can have come from no other source than from Jesus' own lips. Yes, because he was, the only, yeah, he he was, was out there in the mm-hmm. desert yeah. with just himself and the mm-hmm. Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he, I think that's a point worth reflecting yes. on mm-hmm. uh, as well, you know, so. I think... Uh, if you look then at at the temptations, like um, to turn these stones into bread, that wouldn't really be, if Satan appeared to you or me and said that to me, that wouldn't really be a temptation that we have to fight to resist because we couldn't turn stones into bread anyway. No. So but Jesus, knowing that Jesus had the power to do anything, mm. um, it wouldn't have been a temptation for you or I but it is a real temptation for Jesus because Jesus is hungry. You know, I, 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 I love the line where it says uh, he was hungry and for 40 days uh, he, he had nothing to eat and at the end he was hungry. Surprise, surprise, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, um, but like these were real temptations for Jesus because he had the power to, to do all these things and blow Satan out of it as it were, but he just fell back on the word of God. He's on a journey. He sees his time in the temptations in the desert as a very necessary part of his preparation for his uh, mission. And so you could say in a way that the story of the gospel this weekend is a kind of a retreat uh, where, you know, we go for a retreat to kind of do what Shane was talking about earlier about focus on the spiritual and so forth. And um, so I like to look at the, um, at the time in the desert as the retreat that Jesus did uh, as he pondered the mission that lay ahead of him under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, you know, when I and any priest that was ever ordained, uh, we did many, many retreats as part of our preparation. But on the week before we were ordained, we, we, despite all the retreats we'd done over six or seven years, we went for a full week's retreat immediately leading into the time 
of all the nations. So I see Jesus' time in the desert as a, a bit like that, you know. And um, I suppose the question it raises for us, like, you know, as we go uh, on, on that retreat, like, and see the way the Holy Spirit guided Jesus and looked after him, uh, are we conscious that the Holy Spirit is there to lead us yes. on our journey, and particularly here on our Lenten journey? Um, and especially maybe when we have difficult commitment to meet, do we realize that the Holy Spirit is there to guide us just as much as he was uh, Jesus in the desert? Uh, and then, of course, on the other side of the, the, the picture, we have to ask ourselves, have we felt the presence of the devil, the evil spirit, t- tempting us away from what you believed was the right course of action? Now, I, as I've often said to you, John, I think on this, these programs before, I don't talk too much about the devil, no. but this gospel always prompts me to make the comment that if the devil took on Jesus and tried to distract him from his mission, who are we to think that he wouldn't take us on? We'd be a much, to use the lingo, yeah. we'd be a much softer trick yeah. uh, for Satan than, than Jesus was. Mm-hmm. So I don't talk too much about him, but I believe he exists let us not dismiss him. And I'd just like to make that comment yes. uh, about uh, the presence of the devil. And then you have the, the, the thought there in the gospel, he was led by the Spirit through the wilderness. And what resonance does that have in our lives? You know, Have, have we gone through an experience in our life that, which we found to be a kind of a desert or wilderness experience? You know, and... It might be a time when material and worldly things yep. that can be so attractive today left us feeling empty. Empty, Like I think of people, you know, that are going on drugs. Maybe a lot of the reason they go on drugs is because there is this emptiness. I don't imagine that there are too many people on drugs that try to fill that emptiness with the spiritual, yes. spiritual stuff. I, I have done no research on this, but I, I, I'd i be surprised if there were people who are deeply spiritual who have got caught up and, um, mm-hmm. in, the, in, in, the, in, in, in something like uh, drugs, you know. And, yes. um, and in that wilderness experience, like did we, did we meet the other spirit, the evil spirit, maybe during that wilderness, um, trying to pull us away in the wrong, in the wrong direction? So I think this gospel can prompt those kinds of uh, questions uh, in our lives. Um, uh, so have there been moments when the Word of God gave us strength in a trying situation in the way that the Word of God kept Jesus on course in, in the wilderness? You know, I was just thinking there, there Father Frank, what form might the wilderness take in our own lives these days? Well, John, it could be anything, you know. Um, uh, but like, I, I think of things like uh, under the heading of wilderness is illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'd say bereavement, marriage breakdown. Mm-hmm. I think pressure from the the culture of today uh, to kind of renege on our baptismal call, which our Christian call comes from our baptism. And it's not an accident that the temptation in the wilderness, as I said at the beginning, is connected in our gospel today with the baptism of Jesus. That's where he got his mission. And wilderness, too, can take the form of an aridity or a dryness 
within us, a kind of a lacking of direction or a lacking of a kind of a moral compass that guides us. You know, now, somebody I said recently, I, I don't know who it was, but I came across it somewhere, said that in many ways, not for everybody, thank God, but in many ways, today's Ireland is our wilderness in the sense that the the lack of focus on the spiritual or on the, the Christian side uh, of our lives. So I think Lent is a time we should be on the lookout for ways in which we are being lured away from uh, the way of the gospel. Um, we might look at the nature of the temptation that Jesus encountered, you know. Um, like, And again, we can apply these to our own lives. Like we're told in the first temptation during that time he ate nothing and he was hungry. Tell this stone to turn into, into a loaf. Um, what this is really testing in Jesus, will he use his power to satisfy his own physical appetites, which he could have, yeah. or will he use it to serve others and to put before others a, a better way than self-serving? Um, yeah. And so I suppose the question for each of us is, what about me, what about me? Yeah. in relation to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then the second temptation, again, if you look at that briefly, I will give you all this power and glory, the devil said to him, worship me then and it shall be all yours. In other words, the question being put before Jesus is will he compromise on his worship of God the Father so as to gain worldly power and honours for himself? Go for the worldly way. Yeah. And again, the question what about me in that, you know? And then in the third temptation, he led him to the parapet of the temple. Throw yourself down. He will put his angels in charge of you to guard you. And what is really uh, the temptation being put before Jesus there is, will he take the shortcut to gaining followers, not by the way he has set out, the way of repentance and so forth, but by relying on spectacular stunts thereby putting God to the test. And now you, we might notice that there were many times when Jesus expected, when, when people expected Jesus to work miracles and he didn't. Yes. He worked a certain amount of miracles to show that he was from God, that he had this power, but he did not always go for what we might call uh, the spectacular the stunts. Spectacular stunts yes. he, he, his way was the way of self-denial and self-denial is not a negative concept. It is to the culture of today. But in the gospel, it's the road to liberation. If, and a very simple example I've often used, you're watching the soaps yep. of an evening. Mm. And there's an old lady down the road that you visit from time to time, living on her own. And uh, if you wait till the soap is over, she'll be gone to bed. Yes. So it, are you going to leave the soap and whatever that has to offer and go down the road and visit that lady? Are you, you know, are you, that kind, a very simple example of, of you know, how we might approach uh, self-denial. And the last point I would make um, is about uh, that self-denial is essential to Christian discipleship. We need to, to uh, divorce ourselves from the interpretation of self-denial today. Self-denial is a road to liberation. If you're tempted to do something and you want to do something good, but something you're inclined to give into in yourself uh, holds you from doing what in your heart and soul you want to do good. If you want to be freed 
to do that good, you have to tackle and deny yourself whatever it is is keeping you from doing uh, that good. Just one, thanks, Father Frank. Just, just one point. Just before I just hand it over to to to, um, to Shane there, um, but the Holy Spirit is always there by our side. We can't do it all by ourselves if we keep on saying, isn't that yeah, right? And I, I, and I keep on asking, uh, do we realise yeah. that the Holy Spirit is there with us as he, just as much as he was with Jesus in this gospel story? Now, we have to remember that what you've just said mm. is just as much with us. And he's in us now in our Lenten journey. We're not going into whatever we've taken on for Lent. We're, we're, we're going in there with the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We are led by the Spirit into this season of Lent. Thanks for that, Father Frank. Shane, would you offer something yourself? I suppose the only additional thing um, that maybe could be said, for me, looking at this gospel, um, the the, the words, the expression that I kept coming back to was desert, desolation. That was the one that, for some reason, it kept coming back. And there was two things that struck me about it. First of all, I suppose, is that the desert of our hearts <clears throat> is something which is um, everyone knows. You don't have to be uh, an aesthetic or a, a monk in the desert to, to, to know what it means to have that aridity of the soul, that feeling of just uh, dryness in life. And I think a lot of us uh, would have had experience of that, particularly during the pandemic lockdowns and even coming out of it. Um, I think myself that it's something perhaps even more so now as we come out of it, that it will be something that people will encounter. Um, and it, it can affect us, I suppose, in, from the point of view of our daily lives, and it can affect us in the spiritual life as well where our usual spiritual practices can just seem like words and noise and it's difficult to gain sustenance out of them because at the end of the day, you know, that's part of what prayer is. It's, 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 it's giving us that sustenance to face into life in general, knowing that we are accompanied, as, as Father Frank said, by the spirit, which, that same spirit which accompanied Jesus. And Lent is very much associated and acknowledging, I think, those dry periods in, in life and acknowledging that there are temptations and challenges which come out of us. And that is something which the Gospels very much speaks to us today, because as Father Frank said, the, the, Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the desert to experience these temptations. We've got from his manifestation as the divine to his manifestation as being truly human. And it's something which all of us can uh, link to, something that we can empathize with. It's something that we can know. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we all probably have gone through at some stages in our lives. Um, and I suppose for me, that is hope. You know, it's, it's something of hope uh, as we face into the challenges of life. And for me, the Sunday gospel is one where that, without being too cliched about it, it reminds us that as people of faith, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is the open door of an empty tomb on Easter morning.
if I'm not mixing my metaphors too much there and making it too confusing for people, that ultimately, you know, as we journey through Lent and as we walk with Jesus through Lent, we are walking towards Calvary, but Calvary is not the end. It is only the step to the end, which is ultimately the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And kind of trying to put that, what, what, I was trying to think about that and I was trying to think of, well, do you know what? When you talk about the desert, we have this image in our heads of the the Sahara or the the deserts of the Arabian desert, the sands and the dust and dead and dry and barren. But the other side of it is, if you think about, for example, the deserts of Australia or the desolate areas, even some people would describe the barren as 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 a desert in some respects. If you take the Australian desert, when it rains, the plants and seeds that have been sheltering in the ground will grasp that opportunity to bloom forth. And you see this profusion of delicate little flowers that might only show up for a short period of time. And that's the reminder to us of the hope that's there coming out of desert experiences. If we are willing, like Jesus was, to embrace them, to face them, and to, ex- to see, to turn around and look at ourselves in the mirror. Because one of the difficulties I suppose we have in the modern world is being able to turn around and face ourselves head on. We don't sometimes like to do it and to acknowledge the things that aren't great, but also the other side of that is to accept our giftedness as well. Because sometimes, particularly as Irish people, we have a huge tendency to put ourselves down. So as we enter into this desert season, as Father Frank said, I think this gospel very much calls us to invitation to engage with that same spirit that drove Jesus into the desert and to be go on that journey as we head towards Easter. Shane, thanks a lot for sharing that with us. Maybe just a just a thought. I'll just finish off the podcast with, with a again from my good friend Michael de Vertaille. And this week I'd just like to quote what he says. Lord, we might like to remain on the banks of the River Jordan, where we busy ourselves with external activities, organizing communities, entering into relationships, academic discussions. We pray that during these forty days of Lent, we may allow ourselves to be led <coughs> by the Holy Spirit into the depths of ourselves into the wilderness, away from the world of achievements, where we can face up to the evil tendencies that are active within us. Our feeling that as children of God, we have the right to dominate the world as we will. Our yearning for power and the glory of earthly kingdoms, the subtle ways in which we try to manipulate you. We need not be afraid of the wilderness experience, Lord, because even if we have to face evil in ourselves, we will also discover, like Jesus, that trust in your love is a law written deep within us. And when the devil has exhausted all the ways by tempting us, he will leave. But Lord, do not let us become complacent, because he will return at some time you have appointed, and we must be ready to start that struggle all over again. So with that, we might finish off our podcast for today. Thanks again, Father Frank, for joining us today. You're welcome, John. And also, Shane, thanks a lot for your thoughts. Next Thanks, week, John. please join us again next week for our podcast where we're joined by Colin, C- Colin Hogan of Trocra 
where we speak about this year's campaign. But in the meantime, we'll go out with a beautiful piece of music sung by Michael Crawford, and this one is entitled Spirit of the Living Lord. Spirit of the Living God. So until next week, for myself, Shane, and Father Frank, enjoy the week. Um, do the best you can with Lent. And don't forget, as Father Frank reminded us, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is in us just as much as it was within Jesus in the desert. So until then, God bless you all now. Bye.